Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Ves salatu ves selamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Allahumme erinel hakka hakkan ve erzukna ittiba'a. Ve erinel batıla batılan ve erzukna ictinaba. Rabbi işrahli sadri ve yessirli emri. Vahlul okudeten min lisani yefkahu kavli. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuhu. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bediüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you get your podcasts or you can watch them on YouTube at the channel Reflections RN. Whether you listen to the podcast or watch the YouTube channel, please subscribe, please hit the like button in YouTube, uh, help help spreading the word, inshallah. Uh, you can also access the audio and video versions of the recordings as well as the text we will be reflecting upon at the website www.reflections-rn.org. Go to podcasts, then words, and the 22nd word, and there you will find the text we will be reading and reflecting upon today, inshallah. And as that implies, we will be <coughs> we will be uh, reading or continuing to read the 22nd word, which provides demonstrations uh, for the existence, oneness, and attributes of God. Uh, it begins with a story where we see two... Um, let's call them brothers, uh, take a bath in a pool, lose their senses, suddenly find themselves in a country where they are not familiar, and they go around and start to recognize what is what. And one of these brothers recognizes that this place must have an owner, the other one does not. And now we are um, reading the demonstrations that the, the smart, fortunate, uh, believing uh, first brother provides to the other one. <clears throat> uh, inshallah, if you want to have a better sense of this story, you can listen to the relevant episode or read the introduction of the 22nd word. So we will continue with the fourth demonstration. We read the first three. We will continue with the fourth demonstration in this episode. Inshallah. Bismillah. Dördüncü Burhan. Fourth demonstration. Ey muannid arkadaş. Gel sana daha acibini göstereceğim. Bak bu memlekette bütün bu işler, bu şeyler değişti, değişiyor. Bir halette durmuyor. Dikkat et ki bu gördüğümüz cami cisimler, hissiz kutular birer hakimi mutlak suretini aldılar. Adeta her bir şey bütün eşyaya hükmediyor. Oh the obstinate friend. Um, this is interesting because the first friend like the first man it is so clear so obvious for him that this whole thing cannot be coincidental it cannot be on its own it it has to have an owner there has to be a hidden hand working behind the veil behind the scenes yet the other one Although this is so obvious, yet the other one insists on not accepting uh, the existence of that hidden hand, that hidden power. And this is not because he does not see reality um, or he has not been exposed to the evidence, the demonstration that is out there in the, uh, in the country that they are observing. But because, first, he doesn't want to look. Second, he senses that if he accepts the existence of a ruler, he will have to uh, abide by that ruler's regulations. And he doesn't want to do that. So he's just being obstinate in this affair. So while demonstrations need to be provided to him for his intellect to find a way to reality, it is also important that his obstinacy needs to be broken. And this, that's up to him. I mean, you cannot do anything about that. 
uh, he needs to to to to assume a more humble uh, position, more um, a position that is in line with reality, right? Otherwise, he is going to to veil reality from himself. You cannot show something to a person who doesn't want to open his eyes. So, oh, the obstinate friend. Here, uh, Stad Nursi is also giving us cues about uh, what causes disbelief. Obstinacy. Very dangerous. Come, I will show you what is more amazing. <clears throat> In the first uh, three demonstrations, he showed amazing things. And now he says, come, I will show you what is more amazing. Look, all these affairs, all these things in this country changed and are changing. They don't stay in one state. Pay attention that these inanimate objects and senseless boxes each took the form of an absolute ruler. It is as though everything rules over all things. So this is the key, I guess. It is as though everything rules over all things. The ants crawling on and in the ground it is as though the trees are producing leaves for them. It is as though the sun is heating the ground for the trees to do photosynthesis and you know, produce the, the, the leaves, but also for the ground to heat and assume a temperature in which the ants can live and perhaps you know, uh, produce the fungi that they eat and so on and so forth. It is as though the sun is hitting the oceans and water is evaporating from it and becoming clouds and clouds are being pushed by the wind to where the ants live so that raindrops fall and moisturize the soil so that the ants that live in a particular um, degree of moisture can find their environment suitable for their lives is it the ant that's doing all of these things is the ant mobilizing all these Tremendous, tremendous <clears throat> phenomena. But it's as though it is doing it. It is as though the tree needs X, Y, Z and things. And it's as though those things that the tree needs are coming to it. It's as though everything that needs things um, is mobilizing the world for itself. <clears throat> This is not a stagnant picture. This is a moving image. Things are happening here. And as things happen, <clears throat> it's as though everything is receiving what it needs. But the problem is, the problem is, the sun does not know the tree. The soil does not know the ant. The tree does not know the ant. So these things don't know each other. Therefore, it is not likely that they are going to provide what the, what the other thing needs on their own volition. Um, so if the tree is not providing the ant what it needs, perhaps the ant is making the tree provide it. I mean, that's as though, as though, that's how it seems to be happening. What we know is that everything is being provided by everything, as though everything rules over all things. İşte bu yanımızdaki bu makineye bak. We'll make this more concrete now. Güya emrediyor. İşte onun tezinatına ve işlemesine lazım levazımat ve maddeler uzak yerlerden koşup geliyorlar. İşte oraya bak. O şuursuz cisim güya bir işaret ediyor. En büyük bir cismi kendine hizmetkar ediyor. Kendi işlerinde çalıştırıyor. Here look. Look at this machine near us. And this machine we will have a side note about it. As though it gives a command here, the requirements and materials required for its ornamentation and operation come running from faraway places. There, look at there, as though that unconscious object gives a signal making the largest object a servant to itself and work in its affairs. What are these pointing to? Let's see that. So we have a machine and an unconscious object and we are um, giving examples for 
this phenomenon that we are observing in the universe in the in the country that these two uh, friends found themselves where everything appears to be mobilizing all things for its own benefit so the machine Makine meyvedar ağaçlara işarettir. Çünkü yüzer tezgahları, fabrikaları incecik dallarında taşıyor gibi hayret müma yaprakları, çiçekleri, meyveleri dokuyor, süslendiriyor, pişiriyor, bizlere uzatıyor. Halbuki çam ve katran gibi muhteşem ağaçlar kuru bir taşta tezgahını açmış çalışıp duruyorlar. Side note 6 The machine points to fruit bearing trees. For as though it is carrying hundreds of looms and factories on its thin branches, it weaves ornaments and cooks astonishing leaves, flowers and fruits, and extends them to us. Whereas magnificent trees like the pine and the cedar set up their looms on a dry rock and keep operating. Let's read both of them and then, uh, and then reflect upon them. The second uh, side note. Hububata tohumlara, sineklerin tohumcuklarına işarettir. Mesela bir sinek, bir kara ağacın yaprağında yumurtasını bırakır. Birden o koca kara ağaç yapraklarını o yumurtalara bir rahm-ı mader, bir beşik, bal gibi bir gıda ile dolu bir mahzene çeviriyor. Adeta o meyvesiz ağaç o surette ziruh meyveler veriyor. Side note 7 points to grains, seeds and tiny eggs of flies. For instance, a fly leaves its eggs on the leaf of an elm tree. Suddenly, that massive tree turns its leaves into a maternal womb, a cradle and a storehouse filled with a honey-like nutriment. It is as though that fruitless tree is bearing fruits with, with spirits in, his, in this way. So, uh, spirit possessing fruits in this way. Yes, subhanAllah. The machine points to fruit-bearing trees. So let's try to think about fruit-bearing trees as machines. Uh, what does a machine do? You put some raw material into it and it produces something. Fruit-bearing trees as machines. As though it is carrying hundreds of looms. Why looms? Because it is producing all these leaves. And the leaves are like fabrics. And factories on its thin branches. It weaves... Right? It is weaving the leaves. Ornaments. So it's not only weaving these things, but also ornamenting them. And it is cooking with, with its flowers. Right, the, uh, the, It's weaving the flowers too and ornamenting them. And it is cooking astonishing leaves, flowers and fruits. It is as though each tree is a um, cauldron in which food is being cooked for us. And once it's ready, it extends its thin branch to us and says, here, apricot, here, an apple, take it, like a machine. Now, if human beings that made something like this, we would call it a machine. But we see it out there in the garden and we just pass by. We don't see um, the, the, the amazing, the amazing intricacy, functionality, beauty, uh, knowledge, technique, or, or technology. Uh, if human beings made that, we would call it technology. That is involved in the whole process. The amazing orderliness and arrangement and proportionality of things, right? You need, let's say, 5% sugar for the apple, and here, the tree produces 5% sugar. Whereas, well, this is happening, the, the, the trees are like amazing, amazing machines that are producing all these things. Whereas, magnificent trees like the pine and the cedar set up their looms on a dry rock and keep operating. Now, some trees set up their looms on soil, and that is not less amazing. But, because we are familiar with the soil, when we see a tree literally on a dry rock, and it happens, they're like, wow. Now, in both cases, it is not, uh, you know, they are equally amazing for somebody who has not lost his sense of wonder and can see amazement when it exists. 
and they are equally not amazing for somebody who has fallen heedless to these things uh, because what ha happens is that in soil there are these fungi that uh, collect nutrition from the soil and bring it to the roots of the tree and the same happens on rocks we, we see invisibly small thin fungi collecting water and nutrients and, and bringing it to the tree but either way either way how is it that this tree is mobilizing the entire universe for the for the function that it has assumed in producing leaves flowers uh, fruits and perhaps cellulose for its body too because each and every tree needs the entire realm entire cosmos in order to produce what it is producing in order to do what it is doing the apricot needs carbon in it carbon was cooked at some point in, in in some star somewhere in the universe and if it were if that star did not do what it did at the time this tree would not have this carbon element now that means that star provided a service to this tree did the tree mobilize and subjugate the star did the star know the tree it is not one carbon and one star and one tree this is happening in um billions quadrillions i don't know the, the the highest number that you can imagine boundless infinite almost infinite uh innumerable yeah i guess that's the word this is happening in innumerable directions millions billions of carbon molecule elements going into each tree billions of nitrogen uh, elements moving through the veins of the tree and going to its leaves innumerable photons coming from the sun and hitting the leaves to enable it to do photosynthesis how is all that happening how is it that it is as though each and every tree is mobilizing the entire universe or let's not go to the universe mobilizing the entire environment that it needs in order to produce the leaf the flower the fruit i mean we are saying entire universe because then that and the things in that environment then need other things in their environment and then you uh, if you carry this in a you know chain uh, you go all the way to existence entire existence okay what about the uh, the grain seeds points to grains seeds and tiny eggs of flies for instance a fly leaves its eggs on the leaf of an elm tree suddenly that massive tree turns its leaves into a maternal womb a cradle and a storehouse filled with a honey-like nutriment why is the elm tree producing that honey-like substance which perfectly serves the needs of the fly does the fly have any kind of control over the tree that's how things are happening with our lives as human beings we have to uh, mobilize existence the, the world that we live in in order to procure our needs when we want something from other people they want that they want a payment for it or we, we we have to coerce or persuade we have to make them do things we have to have them do things is the fly having the elm tree do something but the elm tree is doing something for the fly does the elm tree know the fly um There are fungi that infect ants and take over their bodies the ant dies and then the body of the ant provide everything that the fun fungus needs in order to grow and bloom now if it were the ant perhaps we could say somehow the ant uh, is 
convinced that it needs to serve the needs of this fungus uh, by sacrificing itself and providing everything in its body for the benefit of the fungus. And therefore, the ant is, um, is, is nurturing the fungus, the way mothers nurture their babies. But that's not the case. The ant dies. The conscious, uh, moving, animate thing that the ant is, with some level of consciousness, of course, it is gone. All that is left is the body. And the body somehow mobilizes to benefit the fungus. How is that happening? Does the body know the fungus? Does the fungus know the body? Does the fungus have any ability to do anything? How is that happening? It is as though that fruitless tree is bearing fruits with spirits in this way. It is as though an elm tree does not bear fruits, but it is as though, uh, this is what Norsi is thinking, right? It is as though the flies that grow on the leaves of the elm tree are the fruits of the elm tree. I've said this many times and I'll say it again. This is a skill that we are cultivating. We are learning to look at the universe to see, to see the signs of creation. With the underlining uh, understanding that these things that are happening cannot happen on their own. They are not coincidental either. And there is no mystical um, construct that somehow assumes power and does these things either, like the causes or nature. There is no such thing as nature. It is a human construct. It is a name that we give to the sum total of all these uh, apparent forces that are that, that, that are in, in effect around us. But there's no conscious um, unitary entity that can be called nature. Take the human mind out, there will be no nature left out there. So we are seeing all these things that are happening and that cannot be explained with anything within the existing scene realm that we are looking at. The inability of the scene realm to explain itself points to the existence of a hidden power. And the proportionality, organization, orderliness, uh, um, wisdom that everything goes to where it belongs to, um, the interior lines of things, the the way things come to each other, support, as we are looking at in this demonstration, all of these and many others, they all point to the oneness, uh, existence, oneness, knowledge, um, life uh, that he sees, that he hears, uh, will, and power of that hidden power. And that's God. That's our definition of God. So we are learning to look at the universe to see our Lord through his signs, through the seals that he, through the stamps that he stamps on things one by one. That's what we are doing here. Daha başka şeyleri bunlara kıyas et. Adeta her, her bir şey bütün bu alemdeki hilkatleri musahhar ediyor. Eğer o gizli zatı kabul etmezsen, bütün bu memleketteki taşında, toprağında, hayvanında, insana benzer mahluklarda, o zatın bütün hünerlerini, sanatlarını, kemalatlarını birer birer o şeylere vereceksin. İşte aklın uzak gördüğü bir tek mucizlüma zatın bedeline milyarlar onun gibi mucizlüma hem birbirine zıt, hem birbirine misil, hem birbiri içinde bulunsun. Bu intizam bozulmasın, ortalığı karıştırmasınlar. Halbuki bu koca memlekette iki parmak karışsa karıştırır. Çünkü bir köyde iki müdür, bir şehirde iki vali, bir memlekette iki padişah bulunsa karıştırır. Nerede kaldı? Hadsiz, hakim, mutlak, beraber bulunsun.
compare other things to these. So again, we are learning to look at the universe in a particular way. And therefore, yes, Ustad Nursi provides us examples, but we should not uh, leave it there. We, we, we should try to uh, exercise the skill, right? Compare other things to these. It is as though everything subjugate, subjugates the creatures of this entire realm. Everything subjugates the creatures of this entire realm. Well, look at me. Look at me. Everything is serving me. And of course, everything is serving you. Everything is serving the leaf that is for falling from uh, the, the branch of the tree as fall came. Everything is serving this computer that is recording what I'm saying. It is as though everything subjugates the creatures of this entire realm. I could not exist without this entire realm. Am I subjugating the entire realm for my purposes? No, but I'm benefiting from the entire realm. The entire realm is serving me. Subhanallah, that, that's an, there is an amazing um, recognition in this. There's an amazing recognition. If you do not accept that hidden that hidden person, uh, in the in the previous episodes we talked about this, uh, so there must be a hidden hand doing all these things because what is happening cannot be explained with what we see, what we are able to see. There must be a hidden hand behind, right? There must be a hidden person doing all these things. If you do not accept that hidden person, the existence of that hidden person, you will give all the skills, arts, and perfections of that person on the rocks, soil, animals, and human-like creatures of this entire country. So all the skills, arts, and perfections of that person on the rocks, soil, animals, and human-like creatures of this entire country. You will give all of them to each of those things one by one. So either there is a hidden person um, that we can that we will attribute the the skills, the arts, the perfections that are obvious in the realm that we are observing. So we will either attribute these to that hidden person, or alternatively, we have to find an alternative because we see that there is um, perfection, skill, art, etc. So we have to find an alternative. So the alternative is, well, if it is not that one person, that hidden person, then it has to be each thing subjugating everything, all things, the entire thing, right? So in that case, I will have to give all that power, skill, art, perfection to each thing itself. I'll have to give the, the, the skills that are obvious to exist on, the arts, the perfection, that is on a sugar end to the sugar end. The beauty of the rose to the to the rose. But the rose, when I get to the heart of this matter, I know that the rose is not capable of doing anything, let alone the um the appealing beautiful art that it displays. How is that happening? Can I give it to the rose? Can I give it to the um, ant? Can I give it to the cloud? Can I give it to the moon? Can I give it to myself? I am, as far as I can see, the most conscious uh creature with most willpower and choice the highest level of intelligence among the things that I can see I cannot do any of this the perfections, the arts, the skills that I am displaying on my existence and in my existence I cannot do it how is the ant going to do it? Here, now, if you don't give it to the hidden person, right? 
in lieu of one miracle working person that the intellect deems unlikely now this is not the sound intellect right they, they we are talking about the intellect of this obstinate friend his intellect deems the existence of a uh, one ruler uh, for this country unlikely in lieu of one miracle working person that the intellect deems unlikely how is it that billions of miracle workers like him that contradict one another that each others that are each other's similitudes and that are within each other will exist right so um one tree contradicts the other in the sense that they compete for uh, space now miraculously one tree stops at a certain point and then the other tree can have space for itself uh, but if you look at forests very dense forests what you will see is some trees that you would normally expect to be spreading their branches out grow up like like um, poplar trees or pine trees uh, in, a, in a thin column right so they are competing with each other now this does not mean that the, the competition defines life out there no these trees are at the same time uh helping each other their roots are connecting to each other through again uh, fungi and uh, sending each other messages nutrition and so on and so forth right but but the existence of one tree at one level contradicts the existence of the other tree or you can also think of this as um the existence of the deer in the environment contradicts the existence of certain trees and plants because the deer eats them so if i give the subjugation of the entire universe to that one plant that the deer eats how is it then going to happen that the deer eats then it disappears now the deer came and subjugated it but for that one plant to exist the entire universe has to be subjugated to it but the deer ate it so um in lieu of that one person right we are now accepting billions of miracle workers like him that contradict one another that are each other's similitudes now if this tree and this tree are their similitudes of one another they are of the same uh, species if this tree if this tree subjugated the entire realm then what about this tree they cannot simultaneously subjugate the entire realm because they are different entities and they will have different interests but not accepting that hidden person requires accepting something like this and sometimes they are within each other the ant is in the soil the soil subjugates the entire realm but the ant is in the soil or the fungus is in the in the ant or the the ants live in the tree it's mind-boggling it's, it's it's unacceptable it, it's incomprehensible inconceivable how is it that billions of miracle workers like him that hidden person that contradict one another that are each other similitudes and that are within each other will exist yet this orderliness will not be ruined and those miracle workers will not mess everything up and that while if two fingers meddle together in this massive country they mess it up that, that, that is what the intellect accepts and what the observation reveals if two fingers meddle in the administration of one country they mess it up now this doesn't mean that uh, you cannot have a, a cabinet in a country but then the cabinet acts as one entity you don't you cannot have two cabinets functioning at the same time right if two fingers meddle together in this massive country they mess it up for the existence of two directors in a village two governors in a city or two emperors in a country messes things up let alone boundless absolute rulers existing together not accepting the existence of one hidden ruler because observation reveals that there is rule here there is rule if there is rule there has to be a ruler it is either this hidden person 
that we cannot see, but we can sense the existence of. Or we will have to give the power, skills, arts, perfections, knowledge, and so on and so forth of that person as we recognize that he must have all of these, we will give all of that to each and every being in the realm. That's not possible. That's not possible. And therefore, if it is not that, that you know, everything has this power, there must be a hidden power behind. There must be a hidden hand working behind the veil in this country, in this universe, in this realm. Okay, moving on. Fifth demonstration. Eyves veseli arkadaş. Gel, bu azim sarayın nakışlarına dikkat et. Ve bütün bu şehrin zinetlerine bak. Ve bütün bu memleketin tanzimatını gör. Ve bütün bu alemin sanatlarını tefekkür et. Oh, the friend with obsessive thoughts. Now remember, we said um, Ustad Nursi is listing the qualities of the disbeliever here. He is giving us hints uh, about what causes disbelief beyond the the the the uh, defects of the intellect. Sound intellect will not have a problem finding God, but then. If the intellect is hampered by some defect, it may have those issues. Or if the intellect is <clears throat> not allowed to do its job. If the heart is not allowed to do its job, the secret in the heart with the job of the duty of which is to know God is not allowed to do its job. If they are all hampered by various causes like obstinacy, as we saw in the previous demonstration, and here, Stadnosi is referring to obsessive thoughts. Obsessive thoughts, as we talked in quite detail, they come from Satan. Um, they can come from other sources too, but mainly, especially if it relates to faith and disbelief, they will be coming from Satan. So, although they are sophistries, although they are not valid, Satan will keep throwing thoughts into this person's mind to distract him from reality or to make uh, reality appear to be in inconceivable to this person. He is going to mess up. Satan is going to mess up the, the functioning, the working of this person's heart and intellect. So it is a problem. It is a problem and one needs to be aware of it and one needs to try to uh, to learn how to deal with it because as we talked before uh, the way to deal with obsessive thoughts is first and foremost primarily by ignoring them by turning away by not picking up the phone when the, the when they ring our phones when obsessive thoughts ring our phones by not picking it up okay or the friend with obsessive thoughts come Pay attention to the engravings of this tremendous palace. Now, in the story, we said, in one respect, this, uh, this, this country that they found themselves is like a city. In one respect, it's like a country. And in one respect, it is like a palace. Now, Ustad Nursi is uh, looking at it like a palace from that respect. Come, pay attention to the engravings of this tremendous palace, the universe. The tremendous palace. Look at the ornaments in this entire city. Now we are looking at it as a city and look at the ornaments, the beautiful, beautiful things. I mean, it could be functional, it could be doing all it is doing, but why is it also beautified? Isn't there a point in this? See the organization in this whole country. The engravings of the palace, ornaments of the city, organization of the country. And reflect upon the arts in this entire realm. So put together the ornaments, the engravings, organization. They, they all come to, uh, to art, which involves 
knowledge, wisdom, um, beauty, majesty, and power. The kind of art that we are observing in the universe, I mean, that may be other things too, but these are what immediately come to my mind, right? In, in all, in all knowledge and wisdom. You have to know how these things are working. You have to have the knowledge of how they fit together and how they relate to one another. And you have to have the knowledge of how beauty emerges when they relate to one another in a particular way and how it does not when they relate to it to one another in other ways and wisdom that's about putting everything where it belongs to and power and to put things where they belong you have to have power and, and knowledge we said and then a sense of beauty and majesty that's that's that i mean we witness it everywhere too because beauty is not only in fine details it is also on the whole and the whole is majestic now the um the important point here is pay attention if you don't pay attention you won't be able to see you won't be able to see if you want to see you have to pay attention so let us close our eyes and think about this or or rather let's let's not close our eyes but find something where we can clearly um, more apparently more obviously see the beauty the ornamentation the organization the engravings and so on and so forth in this universe and let's look at that Let, let's reflect upon that Let, let's reflect upon the firmament on a clear night let's reflect upon i mean i can i can look out and see uh a beautiful um, woods uh, where there's fall leaves are you know autumn fall leaves are falling uh, greens browns yellows uh, the the light light being filtered through the the the openings that open through the trees when the leaves uh, fall and leave a you know space a hollow space behind them it is beautiful it is beautiful so let us all try to find this and focus on it and reflect upon it with some concentration let's build the skill let's not live our lives as though it is limited to the uh, the the the messages that come on our screens that we can't take one way or another let's recognize let's recognize the, the the the palace the city the country the land that we are put in let's come to terms with it let's become aware of it ishtebak eğer nihayetsiz mucizeleri ve hünerleri olan gizli bir zatın kalemi işlemezse, bu nakışları sair şuursuz sebeplere, kör tesadüfe, sağır tabiata verilse, o vakit ya bu memleketin her bir taşı, her bir otu öyle bir muciz, öyle muciz nakkaş, öyle bir harikulade katip olması lazım gelir ki, bir harfte bin kitabı yazabilsin, bir nakışta milyonlar sanatı derc edebilsin, çünkü bak bu taşlardaki nakşa, her birisinde bütün sarayın nakışları var, bütün şehrin tanzimat kanunları var, bütün memleketin teşkilat programları var. Demek bu nakışları yapmak, bütün memleketi yapmak kadar harikadır. Öyleyse her bir nakış, her bir sanat, o gizli zatın bir ilannamesi bir hatemidir. Here look, look. If the pen of a hidden person, if the pen of a hidden person, that hidden person, again, uh, this this hidden power that's working uh, behind the veil, if the pen of a hidden person with infinite miracles and skills is not in operation, if these engravings that belong to him are given to these other unconscious causes 
blind coincidence and deaf nature? Then, either every rock and plant in this country will have to be a miracle-working engraver, an extraordinary scribe capable of writing a thousand books in every letter and including millions of R's in every engraving, for look at the engravings on these rocks, here we have a side note, it will uh, point to seeds, the engravings of the entire palace, the organizational rules of the whole city, the programs of, for the arrangements of the entire country are on them. That means that making these engravings is as wondrous as making this, ent this entire country, and in that case, every engraving and every art is a proclamation and seal of that hidden person. Let's try to think about this more. If the hidden person, uh, sorry, if the pen of a hidden person with infinite miracles and skills is not in operation, so that's one option. We see all these arts, we see all this wisdom, we see all this interconnectedness, uh, unifying, uh, unifying integrity in the universe that we observe and we will either say that there is a hidden person because we cannot see the power that is making this possible we cannot see uh, the requirements of what makes this possible in it so we will say either there's that hidden person with infinite miracles and skills or if that's not in operation, if it, that, that is not what is operating behind the scenes, if these engravings that belong to him are given to these other unconscious causes, blind coincidence and deaf nature, right? So the alternative that human beings have come up so far are uh, causes, they attributing them to causes or laws. Laws of what they call laws of nature, law of gravity, um, the, the, the law of the, the opposite poles attracting and the same poles uh, pushing each other in physics. The law of capillary action that in a tiny tube liquids climb against gravity. This law, that law. Now, there's no such thing as a law there. What is there is you observe a certain pattern and, and you call the regularity of that pattern a law, but there's no such thing as a law or a cause that, cause that, that is doing it. You did not explain what is causing that liquid climb up the pipe uh, when you gave me some explanation about uh, the, the physical properties of liquids and space and so on and so forth. That did not happen, right? So blind coincidence, you know, it just happened. Uh, things somehow came together. There were an uh, infinite number of possibilities and one of them was what we saw here. Come on. Come on. Like that's, that's nothing more than brain gymnastics or deaf nature. I mean, deaf because it doesn't exist. It's, it doesn't hear, it doesn't, it's not conscious. Uh, so if, but if we give these arts, these engravings to unconscious causes, blind coincidence and deaf nature, instead of where they belong to, right? That hidden power behind the veil. Then, so let's assume that we did that, but look at the, inconceivability that emerges from doing that from attributing them to other than the hidden power other than God then either every rock and every plant in this country will have to be a miracle working engraver an extraordinary scribe capable of writing a thousand books in every letter and including millions of R's in every engraving so what does that mean every rock every plant will have to be a miracle working engraver an extraordinary scribe why because they'll have to be able to write a thousand books in every letter and including they and they will have to include millions of arts in every engraving well that is how 
the universe we are living in is. And Ustad Nursi here uh, points to, you know, for a look at the engravings on these rocks, he's uh, going to give the example of seeds or eggs, right? You take a tiny, tiny uh, apricot seed or plum seed, it's like a tiny pebble, like a tiny stone. But in it, there is such information that it sprouts and grows into a tree and reveals all these arts. How is that so? Right? For look at the engravings on these rocks, the engravings of the entire palace, the organizational rules of the whole city. Now, it is not enough for the that plum uh, stone, the pit, to know the properties of the plum that is not sufficient maybe that is written on it and it is written on it that is that is an aspect of uh everything being written in the um what god calls in the quran imam mubin right the clear imam and kitab mubin the clear book that's an aspect of everything being written but it is not enough for the properties of the plum to be written on that stone. That stone has to know the entire universe because that plum can sprout and unfold and grow in the universe. So the, that stone has to have the knowledge of the universe too so that the property that it has for the plum will, uh, will, will fit its environment. When people make things, they don't only think about the properties of that thing. When they make pens, for instance, uh, or, or cell phones, right? When they make cell phones, they, uh, they, they, they spend a lot of time uh, to determine the sizes for the cell phones. It's going to be three inches, this is going to be five inches. Why? Because well, the phone had to work with the hand the way I'm using my thumb now. The thumb had to be able to reach the essential parts of the screen. So if the phone was uh, 10 inches by 10 inches, it would not be a phone. It would Then they'd call it a tablet. And, and now we use, we use it in a different way. We use it with the two, finger, two hands and putting on a, uh, on a uh, surface and so on and so forth. Right? So people who made cell phones and tablets and... Uh, pads and so on and so forth, they did not only think about how the uh, particular chip in the machine is going to interact with the screen. No, they had to think about the environment that these things were going to be put to. The temperature. After what temperature should it be able to sound the function? How much humidity should it be able to tolerate? Um... What should be the level of light on the screen given the environment at night and during the day? All of these things they had to think about. Now, the plum pit in which the knowledge of the plum is written does it have the knowledge of sunlight, uh, moisture of the soil, those fungi that are in the soil and that are helping it, uh, going to help it uh, collect its nutrition. Uh, how nitrogen differs from carbon or oxygen from hydrogen. Does it have any of this knowledge? No. No, it doesn't. For look at the engravings on these rocks. The engravings of the entire palace. The organizational rules of the whole city. The programs for the arrangements of the entire country are on them. It is as though they know all of that. That means that making these engravings is as wondrous as making this entire country. Oh, so the, the, the plum pit is one engraving, but the art, skill, beauty, power, intricacy, knowledge, etc., that is on that one plum stone, that plum pit. It's as though it is a replica of the entire universe and therefore 
making these engravings is as wondrous as making this entire country. If you give it to, you know, deaf nature, unconscious causes, blind coincidence, and so on and so forth, it is miraculous. And miraculous means that they are not going to be able to do it. They won't be able to do it. One who does not make the entire universe cannot make one plum stone. But if you look at this from the other point of view, if you give it to the hidden power that is uh, all-powerful and is, is in charge of everything, possesses everything that everything belongs to, all-knowing, all then making uh, the entire universe becomes as easy as making one plum stone. And in that case, every engraving and every art is a proclamation and seal of that hidden person. That means that making these engravings, that plum stone, for instance, is as wondrous as making this entire country. And in that case, every engraving and every art is a proclamation and seal of that hidden person. Now, I already went ahead of myself and talked about the content of the side note, but let's read it too, inshallah. There's more to it than what I said. Şecere-i hilkatin meyvesi olan insana ve kendi ağacının programını ve fihristesini taşıyan meyveye işarettir. Zira kalem-i kudret alemin kitabı kebirinde ne yazmışsa icmalini mahiyet insaniyede yazmıştır. Kalemi kader dağ gibi bir ağaçta ne yazmışsa tırnak gibi meyvesinde dahi derce etmiştir. Points to the human being which is the fruit of the tree of creation and the fruit, I said uh, fruit stone, but fruit which carries the program and index of its tree. Now, this is a useful metaphor uh, that Ustad Nursi uh, brings up again uh, a lot. Uh, he thinks about the entire creation as a tree that starts in at one point from a seed and grows into a tree. Uh, there are, uh, you know, metaphysical aspects of this, aspects of it that... Um, that, that have been explored in Sufi literature and so on and so forth. We don't need to go into the details of that. There will be a time for that too, inshallah. But if you were to think about the entire creation as a tree that opens up some some some rooms, uh, let's you know leave it to that uh, for now. The entire tree is like uh, and the entire creation is like a tree because one, it grew, whether it is big bang or not, but it grew from one point. and two, it function as a an integrated system not independent parts pieces and parts but an integrated system um that is moving and its parts are interacting with each other and it is moving as though it is life so if we think of the entire creation as a tree, Ustad Nursi says that the human being would be its seed. Now, would the you know, why would the human being be its seed? Again, very briefly, uh, because it all starts with one human being. Uh, we know from the Prophet wasallam that the first thing that God created was his light. Um, and also, the fruit contains the information for the entire tree. So the tree grows and bears the fruit, and that fruit contains the information for the entire tree. And the human being is like a similitude of the entire creation. Uh, if the entire creation is uh, the sum total of the manifestations of God's self-disclosure, revelation of himself each and every human being in in a smaller scale uh, but in a complete uh, fashion is has the potential to manifest all divine names the manifestations of all divine names so because of this the human being is like a fruit uh, like a fruit of the tree of uh, creation points to the human being which is the fruit of the tree of creation and the fruit which carries the program index of the, of its tree 
For whatever the pen of power has written on the great book of the realm, the creation, it has written the aggregate of the same in the human quiddity, what the human being is, the quiddity of the human being. Whatever the pen of divine determination has written on the mountain-like tree, like imagine a huge uh, pine tree, 40 feet, 50 feet high, like 100 feet high, 100 meters high, a huge pine tree, and imagine the tiny seed of that tree. Whatever is on that tree, right, uh, it's going to have the capacity to grow to 100 meters. Its branches are going to angle toward its stem, its trunk in this way. Its roots are going to spread in this direction. Uh, its leaves are going to, uh, to, to, to turn toward the sun in this, uh, with this angle. Its leaves will have this uh, chemistry. Its uh, bark will have this other kind of chemistry and so on and so forth. All of this information is on the tree. And all of that information is in the tiny seed that grows out, out uh, that comes out of its cones too. So whatever the pen of power has written on the great book of the realm, it has written the aggregate of the same in the human quiddity. And whatever the pen of divine determination has written on a mountain-like tree, it has included the same in its fruit the size of a fingernail. So, in that case, whoever has made the entire universe must have made each and every human being. Whoever has made the mountain-like tree must have made the tiny seed. Making the tiny seed is as difficult as making the huge mountain like pine tree and it can become possible only for a person a power an entity that is capable of making the entire that the, the mountain like pine tree or making each and every human being is as difficult as making the entire creation and therefore it can only be possible for someone who is capable of making the entire creation. What that means is that you cannot give uh, the existence of anything in the creation. You cannot attribute the creation of anything in the cosmos to any part of the cosmos. You cannot attribute the, the tree uh, you cannot attribute the existence of the tree to the sun, to the soil, to the, to the air, to the seed, to the uh, temperature, to the oxygen, to the water. No, you cannot do it. You cannot attribute the existence of the tree to anything, any entity, but an entity that is capable of uh, possessing uh, bringing into existence the entire creation, the entire cosmos. Madem bir harf, katibini göstermek sizin olmaz. Sanatlı bir nakış, nakkaşını bildirmemek olmaz. Nasıl olur ki bir harfte koca bir kitabı yazan, bir nakışta bin nakşı nakşeden nakkaş, kendi kitabıyla ve nakşıyla bilinmesin? Since a letter would not exist without showing its scribe, what that means is that if you see a letter written somewhere, you would know that somebody wrote this. Okay, uh, If it is not just a scribble, right, but a well-formed uh, well letter, you would look and see, say, a, a W. And it is written in such a beautiful way that... You know, it is not accidental. You, you cannot attribute it to accident. It is ornamented. It is crafted. You would know that somebody wrote this. Since a letter would not exist without showing its scribe. And it would not be possible for an artful engraving not to inform about its engraver. And then you move further and you think about a 
really intricate engraving say on the walls of a mosque. So proportionate, so properly placed, so in in harmony with the light in the uh, in the in the uh, building that it almost plays with the light throughout the day and it uh, brings about ever more beautiful images before your eyes. You would know that somebody engraved this, somebody did this. Somebody who knows the nature of the rock, nature of the building, nature of light, somebody did this. Right? It would not be possible for an artful engraving not to inform about this engraver. So if that is the case, if that is what our intellect accepts and deems possible, uh, not, not, not only possible, necessary, deems necessary, how can an engraver who writes a massive book in one letter, a massive book in one letter, if the mountain-like pine tree is one book, the tiny seed is one letter in that book, but the knowledge of the entire pine tree is in the seed. If the cosmos is a great book, each and every human being is a letter in that great book. But the information that is engraved on the entire cosmos is engraved in each and every human being. How can an engraver who writes a massive book in one letter and engraves a thousand engravings within one engraving. An engraver who engraves a thousand engravings within one engraving, how can he be not known through his book and engraving? You saw one letter and you said there must be a scribe. You saw one engraving on the wall in one mosque and you said there must be an engraver. Now look at the entire universe. Look at the entire universe and see that it is full of engravings. It is full of images and happenings that proclaim, that proclaim knowledge, will, consciousness, power. And do so in such a way that you can see it in on the entire cosmos, but you can also see what you see in, in the entire cosmos on its parts, its particular parts. The human being is a particular part of the cosmos that carries the, the entire properties that are in the cosmos on himself. There is something in the human being, whatever is, what, well, let's put this way, whatever is out there in the cosmos, there is something corresponding to it in the human being. So, an engraver who has engraved within one engraving, the engravings of the entire book. How can he not be known? And how can these engravings not inform us about him. That's not possible. Subhanaka, Subhanaka, Subhanaka, la ilma lana, illa ma alamtana, innaka anta al alimul hakim, wa akhir dawahum, and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, al fatiha. Allah.